2: Hey, what's up? This is Sully from Godsmack. Strap on those boots, baby, because you are now in the trenches of the war room with the one and only Mistress Carrie right here on the Mistress Carrie Podcast. What's up, this is Joe Rogan, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. My hair is so lovely, With the eyes. Hey, this is Bryn from Shinedown, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hey, Carrie, go put your brow on, girl. Hey, this is Steven Tyler, and you'll be listening to the baddest bitch in Boston, Mistress Carrie.
1: What's up, this is Aaron from Stain, and you're listening to Mistress Carrie. Hi,
2: everybody, this is Dave Grohl from the Blue Fighters, and you're listening to the one, the only... Mistress carry Hey, this is David from the band Disturbed. You're listening to the Baddest Bitch in Boston. Mistress Carey. Hi, Bruce Dickinson here from Iron Maiden. Yes, indeed. Miss Whiplash herself. Mrs. Carey is here to um unchain your brain. Hi, this is Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. You're listening to Mistress Carey. This is Dennis Leary. You are listening
1: to my favorite Mistress Carey. Hey, this is Corey from Stone Sour and you're listening to you have the privilege of listening to Mistress Carey.
0: It's Mistress Carrie, reporting for duty from MCHQ for episode 163 of the Mistress Carrie podcast. And before we get to this week's guest, George Thoroughgood, I want to let you know that the 14th annual Run to Home Base presented by Raytheon Technologies is happening at Fenway Park this Saturday, July 22nd. Last year's event raised $2.3 million and the goal for this year, $2.5 million. The Home Base program is inviting the community to come out to Fenway Park this Saturday and celebrate Special Operations Forces veterans, including Team Leapfrog, who'll be jumping into Fenway Park, sponsored by the Seal Legacy Foundation. Fenway Park will be open to the public for free. If you'd like more details on the run to Home Base, or you'd like to make a donation to support Special Operation Veterans, and help the Home Base program with their mission of treating the invisible wounds of war, post traumatic stress, and traumatic brain injury. Check the links in the show notes of this episode or go to runtohomebase.org. This week on the show, my guest is a living rock and roll legend. George Thorogood and the Destroyers are celebrating 50 years of rock this year. And one of the radio stations I'm on, 100 FM The Pike in Worcester, Massachusetts, is celebrating its 19th anniversary this year. So, on September 2nd, George Thorogood and the Destroyers will be at Indian Ranch in Webster, celebrating their 50th anniversary and the Pikes' 19th anniversary. If you want tickets to the show, check the show notes of this episode. George Thorogood called into the show to talk about the upcoming gig at Indian Ranch and also to talk about the longevity of his career, why so much amazing rock and roll came out of the late 60s and early 70s, what he likes to watch on the tour bus while he's out on the road, and the reason why he doesn't have any pets. He also talked about the music that inspired him to pick up the guitar in the first place and a little update on his health. So allow me to introduce you to the one and only George Thoroughgood. Hello. It's a good day when you answer the phone and it's the one and only George Thoroughgood. Thank you for coming on the show.
1: Our pleasure. What's on your mind? DJ Mistress Carrie.
0: <laughs> well, let me just get it out of the way. You scared a lot of us. How are you feeling?
1: I I can't complain.
0: Well, that's good.
1: No use, no use complaining anyway. It wouldn't do any good, but I can't complain. I'm uh, still breathing, still walking. And, I, and uh, I, I still have all my teeth.
0: You know what? Good teeth, that says a lot.
1: Yeah, it does.
0: Well, we're uh, excited to celebrate our 19th birthday on the pike. And you are going to be there at the birthday party coming up in September. And our birthday is nothing compared to your 50-year anniversary. Does that sound weird for me to say that out loud?
1: First of all. Don't say it's nothing. Any anniversary is special. Um, Your anniversary is just as special as ours is. Um, Let's just set the record straight on that, huh?
0: (laughs) We're just old enough to vote now. You've got 10 years, 50 years in rock. That's unbelievable.
1: 50 years doing anything. 50 years breathing is unbelievable. Uh, Just to stay on the planet that long, I'm thankful for that. Um, yeah, you, you don't. You only think of it in those terms. You you do something for so long, and then then all of a sudden you say, i oh, you've been doing the, the Rolling Stones have been doing it for a hundred years. How about
0: that?" <laughs> Seriously. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's all you know. It, it, it's all it's all special. Um, Forty nine years of rock was special. Forty eight years was special. I know fifty is a big number. You know, like people, you know. People celebrate their 50th anniversary, wedding anniversary, the golden anniversary, things like that. And I think that's what you're trying to say, that 50 is a big number. Is that correct?
0: Yeah, that it. That it's a milestone. And I, I wanted to ask, when you have a career like that, I ask a lot of artists that come on the show that have been fortunate enough to have a long career. Was it harder to get to the top in music or harder to stay at the top in music?
1: There's, a, there's an old saying, as they say, is one saying I have, and one saying I've heard people say, it's hard to get to the big leagues. It's harder to stay in the big leagues. Um, the, the, the climb to the top of a building is long and hard. The drop to the bottom is fast.
0: <laughs> well, I know you're a big baseball fan, so I appreciate the baseball analogy. We're kind of a, we're kind of a big sports town around here.
1: Well, it's true with any business. It's just not sports. I mean, uh, the major leagues mean, you know, it's one thing like, you know, when someone puts out their first record and everybody was like saying, oh, congratulations, and and I said, well, don't don't congratulate me now. Why don't you come see me in 10 or 15 years, and then we'll talk. You know what I'm saying? Um, So in in any business, um, being successful in a business is, is one thing, but to stay successful, that's even harder.
0: There's a lot of big anniversaries with bands like Aerosmith also celebrating their 50th anniversary this year. What was it about that era in rock and roll that made such great music come out of it?
1: I have no idea. Um, Probably um, the roots of everybody, I think, really has a lot to do with it. Um, Just about every artist that broke... um, in, in the mid-60s, right up until, you know, the time of Aerosmith and the time of George Thorogood and the Destroyers and the Jake Isles band, we all listened to the same music. Um, we were all influenced by the same stuff, which was the greatest music in the world, the stuff of Robert Johnson and John Lee Hooker and Muddy Waters and then Bo Diddley and Chuck Berry. I mean, those were the schools of rock with us. Um, there, that was the bottom line of, of, of what Led Zeppelin and the Rolling Stones based their whole thing on. So the reason I think Steve Miller included, I can name many others um, that listen to the, when you listen to great stuff, you're going to, you're going to uh, achieve, you're going to hear a lot of good people coming out of it. Um, it, it Peter, Peter Wolf and, and Frank Zappa are two people who was listened to every kind of music in the world before they stepped into the studio. So I think that's a big reason why you see so much, well, greatness breeds greatness. How's that?
0: If you go back to the early days, before you were the famous George Thorogood, who gave you your first guitar? Where did it come from?
1: Uh, my parents.
0: Did they buy it new, or was it laying around the house and nobody was playing it?
1: <laughs> it's is a story that someone like DJ would really appreciate. Are you, are you ready for it? I'm
0: ready. Hit me.
1: Okay. My two older brothers who were kind of, uh, well, they were kind of two little delinquent types in the neighborhood. They both rode motorcycles. They didn't get good grades in school. And more than on one occasion, the state police were knocking on our door. <laughs> <laughs> and so they, were kind of, they were kind of a rough breed, those two boys. So then when, it, when I came along and then they asked me what I wanted for Christmas, I said, oh, I want a guitar. And my mother started weeping. And my father said, looked at me and said, how many guitars would you like? (laughs) So So they were, they were looking at like, this is a dream. He doesn't, he doesn't want a motorcycle. He doesn't want a BB gun. (laughs) Okay.
0: He just (laughs) wants to be a rock star. You're the good one.
1: Yeah, exactly. When, when the, when the kid in the family is, is a rock star and you're the good one, you got some bad boys in the, in the family. All
0: right. <laughs> <laughs> when you picked it up the first time, did you inherently know how to play it or no, did nobody, you take nobody, lessons? Nobody
1: does. No, nobody, but there's only, there's only one Mozart. There's only one Stevie Wonder. Um, no, I, I didn't. Um, I, at first I picked it up and I, I, I really didn't quite know what to do with it. And then I went to, to a band that, that, um, that, that, that needed, needed a lead singer, but at the same time, they needed a bass player. So I traded in my guitar for a bass immediately, and that didn't take very long to learn. I mean, I took to it quick. And after that, I didn't want to do that. I just wanted to be a lead singer. My favorite people were Eric Byrne and Mick Jagger and people like that. And, and as time went on, I was always picking up the guitar and, and fooling around with it, and I, I found I had a, a, a pretty natural uh, grip on it. I just just really really wasn't interested in doing that, and as time went on, I said, well, you're fooling around with the guitar, and you're you're playing guitar better than some of the guys you're in a band with that are playing the guitar, so you might as well just go play guitar. I said, well, okay, I'll do that. Um, It it was something I picked up fast. Do you remember the first riff for the... Yeah, let's put it this way. I picked it up late, but I picked it up fast.
0: (laughs) Do you remember the first song you learned how to play on it? I
1: think the first song I learned to really get through all the way was either "Honest I Do" by Jimmy Reed or "I Can't Be Satisfied" by Muddy Waters. I think it was "Honest I Do." I I picked up guitar and see. Before that, I just picked up the thing and just fooled with it, just riffed with it, and banged around with it. I I, I could play a few Buddy Holly songs, Um, but actually sitting down, listening to the record, and playing it over and over and over. playing it at low speed like people do, kids do, so they can learn every note perfectly, um, which is something you shouldn't do. You shouldn't learn every note perfectly. Just pick up the song and play it the best you can.
0: When did you discover that you could write songs? Because as a music lover myself, I'm so envious of the ability to do it because I just can't.
1: I uh, um, After about three or four songs and after about two or three albums, I finally figured out it came to the games of the sublime mind. That's when I finally figured out that I can't write songs. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I listen to John Fogarty and I listen to Bob Dylan and Jody Mitchell and all these kind of people. I say they know how to write songs. Okay. I know how to play songs. So my songwriting time was very limited, very brief and for a good reason. Um, it's, you know, it's, uh, it, it's, it's not my expertise. It's not my field a- at all. Uh, I came up with a couple of interesting things, um, but that's, that's the ultimate limit of, of my whatever. I have a limited ability when it comes to, I, I wish I had had another musician guitarist because I, I, I was pretty decent in figuring out um, funny lyrics. I have funny lyrics and uh, a decent song title. The rest of it, playing the music, I, I could have used some help. I could, like Jagger Richards, they write together. Um, you know, Lieber and Stoller, they write together. Um uh and King, they write together. Um, you know, um Elton John and his partner, they write together. I if I had had somebody like that, maybe I could have got someplace and say, listen, just let me handle the lyrics and the title, you take care of the music. Um and I never had that luxury. I, I never had that. So my stuff was at best my songwriters, Well, it's got potential. Okay, put it that
0: way. Well, don't sell yourself short because you can't go to a party. It's not a party without George Thorogood music. It's just, and if it is a party, it sucks.
1: Well, that's what we do. I mean, our, our, our theme song is rock party. That's what we lead off with. That's who we are. You know, if if Jake Isle's band leads off with house party. Thorogood <laughs> leads off with a rock party. Boom, boom, boom. It's all the same. You Because that's what we are. I mean, we never uh, set out to be that. Uh, you never do. You never... You get up at, when you're five years old and say, I, I'm going to grow up to be six foot three. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know that. Uh, so we started, we didn't know we were going to be that until we got rolling and we got people started to hire us for parties, pool parties, house parties, uh, you know, you name it. But um, then started to dawn on us that um,
0: this is our calling. So be it. Where is the weirdest place you've ever bumped into your own music? Because your music is everywhere all the time.
1: I was in, I I think it was Switzerland or Sweden. And we were staying there. And we were staying at this, I think it was a Swiss chalet, actually. Way up in the Swiss Alps. While we were staying there, I don't know. And we wandered it in the next room where there was this big ballroom where all these Swiss people were okay, dressed with high heels and tuxedos. And, you know, it was one like a waltz, you know, like a waltz party. People, you know what I'm saying? Um, that kind of atmosphere. And they were dancing to one bourbon, one Scotch, and one beer. <laughs> what, what is, what is wrong with this picture? I mean, you know, the, 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 most, the most ideal fit for me is our band in Indian ranch. I mean, that's, Okay, that's solid. Got it.
0: That place is a
1: party. Exactly. Now this place was way up in the Swiss Alps. These people, I'm going. You got to be kidding me, man. I mean, purple Scotchy beer has one chord in it. It, 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 It's spoken in American. It's not even spoken in English. There's a difference between English and American. And the Swiss people dancing to it like it was the most natural thing in the world. I'm going. Holy smokes, what is this? (laughs) You, you, You see my point of astonishment, don't you?
0: Absolutely. I ask every songwriter that comes on the show, can you give me an example of a song from any artist or genre that you think is perfectly crafted? It's not a favorite song question, but from a craft perspective, a song is so good that you wish you wrote it.
1: My song is, is the same song that everybody, which they wrote, everybody uh, listens to, it, is rock and roll. Um, it's the ultimate rock and roll song, and no one will disagree with it, is Jumpin' Jack Flash. Am I wrong? No. No. Nope. Um, they, they asked Keith Richards once, and this is a great uh, answer I heard from him in, a, in an interview. They asked him, what is your favorite rock and roll song in the world? Now, I thought he was going to say Johnny B. Good or he might say, you know, whatever. And he says, my favorite rock and roll song is everybody else's, Jumpin' Jack Flash. And that wasn't his ego speaking. That was him as a rock fan. When was the last time you didn't hear that song on the radio?
0: Yeah, it, it, it'll it last forever because it's that good.
1: Yes. And it gets better every time you
0: hear it. I I apologize for this question, but Geezer Butler sent me down this path, and now I have to ask everybody this question he brought up his pets and dropped a bomb on me that Geezer Butler from Black Sabbath names all of his cats and dogs after rappers. And I almost fell out of my chair. So I call it the Geezer Butler question now. Do you have pets and what are they named? No pets. No pets? Are you on the road too much to be able to do it?
1: No, I just I just don't care to have pets. <laughs> I don't I don't have the I don't have the time. I, hey, listen, I have a tough time just feeding myself.
0: Don't you have people for that, Mister Thoroughgood? You've been doing this fifty years now. Don't you got a guy for that?
1: I'm just not. The, I'm just not. I'm just not responsible enough to take care of it. <laughs> and, and I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the ability, and I, I don't have the. Uh, I don't have the desire. Um, you know, I'm just. I, I like to watch the animal shows on TV. You know, <laughs> if I had that fish, I'd probably have a goldfish.
0: Is that what you're watching on the tour bus? You're watching Animal Planet in the back lounge?
1: Yeah, I, I check that out a lot because we do live on the planet Earth, don't we? <laughs> so the more we, the more we can learn about it, uh, you know, the, maybe the more we can work on preserving it.
0: Are you glad that when you started your career in rock that social media and all of that technology wasn't available? Because the, the early 70s seemed like a time that having Instagram and TikTok would have been a little dangerous.
1: You know in 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 the in the in the 60s we started out and in the in the end of the 70s everything that mattered everything that got to your ears 99% of it was word of mouth and that's the advertising that we trusted more than anything for instance we would be at at the electric factory in Philadelphia watching 10 years after and someone would come up and say hey did you hear what happened in LA what Clapton got up and jammed with Hendrix the news traveled fast um or someone comes, like the Mothers of Invention have a new album coming out. It's coming out next month. It's called Lonely In It for the Money. And see, there was a word of mouth thing there that we trusted, you see, because everybody had the same taste. So that's how things got known. And we, we still believe in that. I mean, don't you always more or less uh, get excited or take the advice of someone that's a, that's a friend or trying to turn you onto something that a television commercial? With all due respect to that, you have someone come and say, Hey, DJ, you got to hear this band. You got to hear this record. You see what I'm saying? And that's what went on when we were starting. There were none of these other things. Um, and I said, If anything's really good and really great, eventually the word's going to travel fast.
0: Well, that's why I love what I do, because I think I'm part of that word. So when I tell people that George Thorogood and the Destroyers are going to be at Indian Ranch at the Pike's 19th birthday party, they know. Yeah,
1: well, like, it's, it's always fun to, to, to uh, turn people onto something new, or to turn them onto something that's already been more or less established, and, 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 and their interest is still there. And I'm sure for you, that's still a big rush.
0: It's a lot of fun to talk music with people that love music, and to be around musicians that that play the music that we love so much. Yourself included. So the fact that you're playing our birthday bash, and we're celebrating 50 years of rock with George Thorogood and the destroyers. That's pretty badass.
1: It's going to be tough to put all those candles on the cake.
0: <laughs> we'll get you the biggest cake Wister can make for you. Don't even worry don't about that.
1: It. I don't doubt it.
0: Well, we can't wait to see you. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today and coming on the show. And we'll see you at, in September at Indian Ranch.
1: Rock and roll never sleeps. It just passes out.
0: <laughs> Thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.
1: You stay healthy. Bye-bye.
0: There he is, the one and only George Thorogood. George Thorogood and the Destroyers are celebrating 50 years of rock. You can see him at Indian Ranch in Webster, Massachusetts, coming up on September 2nd, helping to celebrate 100FM The Pike's 19th anniversary. You can get tickets. Click the link in the show notes of this episode. You'll also find all of George Thorogood's links. You'll find all of the Mistress Carrie links. And you'll find the link to this episode's corresponding playlist. I make a playlist for every full-length episode of the Mistress Carrie podcast that's filled with my guest music and all the other artists and songs that we talked about in the interview. If you liked what you heard, don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe to the Mistress Carrie podcast. New full-length episodes come out every Wednesday. Plus, every weekday, you get the sit Rep. With all your rock news, music headlines, and entertainment updates rolled into about five minutes for your convenience. Plus, you never know when we're going to release a bonus episode. You can join me live every Tuesday night at 8.30 Eastern on my official Facebook page for my video show, Cocktails in the War Room. And you'll always find me on the radio. The Mistress Carrie Podcast, a proud member of the Pantheon Podcast Network.